0: Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. Honestly, it's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and talk about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference in your life. And that's what we're going to hear from Richard in a way that only he can do, with words of hope, insight, and humor. You may be stuck in traffic or stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help get you on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. So let's get right into today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis.
1: The title of today's message is We, We, We. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 34. I've moved a few times through the years. There's something that happens somewhere along the way through a move there's a certain moment, at least I think, either consciously or subconsciously in my mind, where my home is not where it was anymore, it is at the new place. And usually it has something to do with where my bed is. If my bed moves, the second I move that bed and it is in a new place, that is my house. And where that bed is, and where my wife is, and where my kids, as long as they're at home are, that is home. So even if for a moment I forget where I live because I've just moved, I pretty quickly redirect. Now here's kind of my question for you today. Are you going home? And do you even know where that is? For me a long time, my mom and dad had a home. And for me going home, I was single, I lived in an apartment, I had that little butter dish with the spoon, the cereal and the milk, and the hide chair, you know, that was... The mattress on the ground. I think I had sheets. I really don't remember. You know, I went there at night, but when I said it was going home, it was going to be with my mom and dad. As a Christian, going home should mean something different. And the old song, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't be at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. You say, well, I don't feel that way. You sing those old songs. You are old, dude. I mean, you know all these old songs. I never even heard that song. You're quoting poetry now or is that a song? Just be glad I didn't sing it. Now, do I always look like I'm going home? No. There are some times in my life where I get attached, I say, oh, this is nice, I'd like to stay. The longer you are a Christian, if you're a Christian, there is a homing device that ought to kick in. There is something about you, there is something about a Christian that is pulled, that is drawn, that longs to accomplish what it is God has for you to do here, but to get home. Now I'm gonna read you a few stories today out of the scriptures. One is in Deuteronomy 34. There's no way I can read you the whole story, but the guy here is Moses. Moses walked with God in such a way that he was instructed to do something along the way, leading the people, and he didn't follow the instructions specifically. And because of that, God said, the margins are so tight on you in our relationship. Because of this disobedience, you will not be the one to take the people into the promised land. And if you go to Mount Nebo today, I've been there with Rebecca, and you stand, they built a place because when the Pope was there, this big platform, but you literally can stand on Mount Nebo and see the promised land. It is an amazing thing. You can see for miles and miles and miles, almost seems like hundreds of miles, you can see over the Jordan River, north, south, the entire almost nation of Israel, the land, the promised land. Moses was allowed to look at that and to see that but he was never allowed to cross over in this life. Now, follow along with me here, verse 1. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead, as far as Dan, all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the Western Sea, the South and the plain and the Valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac and Jacob saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And then one of the most astonishing verses in all of the Bible, little phrases and look what it says. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. Do you think God cares about you living? Do you think he cares about you dying? Moses didn't take the people into the promised land, but when he died, it is the only place in scripture where God himself, it says, buried him. Now, I don't know how he did it. I don't know if he spoke and a hole opened up in the ground and he covered up with dirt. I don't know if he had a shovel. I don't know what he did, but I'll tell you what. When God shows up to bury you, you are somebody. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. He was not dying, it was just time for him to die. You are Looney tunes if you think you've got time guaranteed. I was with a guy the other day. His four-year-old son got sick, deathly sick, somehow miraculously survived. Two years, six years old, the kid died. It's over. The kid's gone. He was a Christian. He'll be in heaven. That's all great. But whatever it is you're going to do, whatever is you think you're going to accomplish, you better figure it out and get after it Today. Today. Go to the next one, Psalm 23. Let me read it to you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Within three verses, you know he's gotta be on your side. It doesn't get any better than that. If the Lord is your shepherd, you're not gonna want anything. You won't lack for anything. The Lord is my shepherd. I know going in, I shall not want. I will not be without. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Nice place. He leads me beside still waters. So I got grass to eat and water to drink. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He takes care of me from the inside, from the out. He leads me. Get a shepherd like that. Get the Lord as your shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A rod for discipline, a staff for protection. It's a good thing that he has a rod, because we need checking every once in a while. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Will you? Will you? If the Lord is not your shepherd, you will not dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's just the way it is. You say, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. Knock yourself out. It's not me you're proving wrong. The scriptures are replete. Make him your shepherd. Follow him. Stay close to him. Then when you get to the valley of the shadow of death, it is just that. It is nothing but a shadow. Death casts a shadow, but you can walk through a shadow. A shadow can do you no harm. Go to Psalm 116, verse 15. Now, I'm not going to say that I dread this, but I think it probably occurs to us the older we get. I've been in enough nursing homes or I've seen enough old people in the fetal position alone, and you ask the workers in the nursing home, does anybody come see this old lady? And the answer is no. Does anybody come check on this old man? And the answer is no. I remember back when I was in school, pastoring a little church in the country, I'd go to a little nursing home, and there was a lady I'd go in and see, and she was a mess, and she looked like some kind of Auschwitz war, person in a little bed she was just nothing just skin and bones left and a messed up face and I'd go in and she was alive she was still in that body and I'd go in there and I'd kiss that old woman on the forehead and talk to her and hold her hand or something I hated going in there you know why I don't want to think about that I don't want to end up in there he said well what if that happens to we what if my everybody that I know I outlive them I outlast them and they die, and I'm the only person left, and nobody remembers me, and nobody knows where I am, and I get taken to some facility, and they don't take care of me. Let me read you a verse. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I don't care where you end up on this side. If you know Jesus, you're going to end up in a really good place on the other side. And people say, well, why do you think it's such a big deal to memorize scripture? Because you may find yourself trapped in a body where you can't read, you can't move, you can't get to any, you can't hear anymore, but you're in that shell and you can roll scripture and you can intercede and pray and wait till God comes and gets you. See, you think, well, I'm having a hard time. I'm young and I'm having a hard time. You may not have seen hard yet. Sometimes the finish line is the hardest time. Health issues, life issues, lonely issues. You better pack your bags now for the home stretch. And you say, well, I'm fine my way. Let me tell you something. You cannot cram for the end. You better make yourself some deposits along the way. Because if you live, you're going to need him for the 100-yard last dash. It can be, you know, you say, well, maybe I'll just drop dead. Well, maybe so, but maybe not. John 14, 1 jesus speaking before he leaves before he goes back to heaven let not your heart be troubled you believe in god believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions or many dwelling places if it were not so i would have told you if there were nowhere for you to go i would have told you that but there is somewhere for you to go i go to prepare a place for you and who better than a carpenter to be building you a dwelling place now, I am crazy enough to believe that Jesus is actually building me a house. And he knows me. There is no one in heaven that would ever come back, even for you, once they make it home. There is nothing here. There's no one here that beats him. And people say, well, I can't wait to get to heaven to see my wife, my husband. My little boy, my miscarried child, my aborted child. They got all these reasons and I have a category. I got a mom there too, an uncle I never met. And I got more going, in-laws. But the longer, and I get the sentimentality of that. That's who we know. But let me tell you something about walking with Jesus. The longer you walk with him here, the more you will want to see him even over all of those people. The reason you want to see them more is that you've walked with them more. But you walk with Jesus a little longer, it's him you're after. People say, yeah, but this is a beautiful place. Let me tell you something. This is a shadow of the real, what God has really got. If you think this universe is beautiful, wait till you see heaven or not. And again, you say, well, why do you get all wound up and so urgent? You are about to miss God himself, heaven itself, the place that he has gone to prepare for us because of what? You wouldn't let go of your little life. You wouldn't let go of your little plan. You wouldn't let go of your pride. You wouldn't believe. You wouldn't trust. You say, well, I can't see it. I'm not going to do it. And yet God himself knocks, 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 knocks on the door of your heart. And yet you won't yield. You won't open. It will not be his fault if you end up in a real hell because there's nothing left for him to do. Look what he says. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. If I drop dead right now, I will be with Jesus himself. Not a question in my mind. If it doesn't happen, the universe will self-destruct because God's word is at stake. And if he returns today in the clouds, then I will stand by and wait, as we'll read here in a little bit, for the dead in Christ to rise. We'll let them make it first, their bodies get out of here, and then we'll go to, you go, that's crazy stuff. That's like special effects in a movie. You ain't seen special effects yet. (laughs) Go to Acts chapter seven, Acts chapter seven, verse 54. This is Stephen. He's preached he hadn't even gotten his ministry started. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, who became Paul. Paul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died and boom, he's with Jesus. The reality is you are here. You can be walking along step at a time, step at a time. Take one step here and literally take the next step into the presence of Jesus. You need to be aware of that. You say, yeah, but that's a terrible way to live. Let me tell you something. That is a great way to live. You don't leave a lot of crap undone when you realize you can get in a car and be dead. Right? Well, she did this and that. Yeah, get up and share all that at the funeral. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians 5 verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, talking about your body, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. There is a desire at some point. Let me tell you something, the older you get, the more this desire is going to be there because you're going to get tired of that body. You're going to have to have dimmer switches in the bathroom so it gets darker in there when you're looking in the mirror. You're just like, I want out. Because your body will just, it'll just go on you. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Philippians chapter 1. And let's kind of jump in here, Philippians 1, verse 20. And this is Paul writing this church at Philippi, and he says, According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, now look at these words, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, I really don't know if I can honestly say, for me to live is Christ. I got other distractions. You got distractions? You need to be getting rid of your distractions. And I don't mean if your wife is a reason you need to get rid of her. (laughs) I've said this repeatedly. I currently have four reasons not to leave and you are not one of them. I got a wife and three girls. My brother is not a reason. I love my brother, I'll be with him forever. My dad, I'll be with him forever. My sister, my friends, church family, But if Jesus walked in here and said, we're loading a bus, are you coming? Those would be my four reasons. Now, you say, well, is it a bad thing to have those four reasons? I don't know. It's a responsibility. And I love those four reasons. But I'd like to get to the place where I could look at them and say, he's offered me a ride today. And I hate to do it, but I got to go. You say, well, that's not very romantic. It's not about being romantic. It's about Him. And maybe one day before I die, for me to live is Christ. And that's the only reason to be here. And to die would be gain. Look what he goes on to say. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. In other words, if I stay. Now, let me tell you something. Part of the reason you don't want to stay or you don't even know why you're here is there is no fruit from your labor because there's no labor. You're not doing anything. If you till soil, you plant seed, you fertilize... You water it. You go out there expecting to see something. If you're not sowing anything, you're not reaping anything, and it's very frustrating. You're just a distraction. You're just filling air, filling time. You're doing nothing. And God's like, okay, are we ever going to get this? Are you ever going to snap to? Are you ever going to get it? I have got you alive for a reason. Figure it out so that you can say, for to me to live is Christ. Say, okay, if that's a good reason to be alive, if it is Christ, then what is he doing in me and trying to do through me that I'm here for? You say, well, I don't want to do that yet. Well, your yet's running out. And then you're going to have to face him. And then you're going to have, you say, well, I'm going to make it no matter what, because I'm a Christian. But you'll have no fruit, nothing to show for it. You do not want to show up before God himself empty handed. You just don't want to do that. You want something to throw at his feet. You want something to offer. You want something to give back and say, you gave your everything to me. I have something for you. You say, well, what about the thief on the cross? He had nothing, but he did what he could even at the last minute. And he'll be judged according to that. You'll be judged according to the opportunity that you had and what you did with that. Keep reading. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you." Who do you have that you can look at beyond just familial, you know, mom, dad, brothers, sisters, all those things? Who do you have that is in your life that you could look at and say, I would rather be with Jesus today, but for me, I'm going to stay and I would ask the Lord to let me stay because I think you need help and I'm here to help you. You got people like that you're born into and you're not done with your job. You say, well, I don't have anything to pour into anybody. And that's a problem. If he's filling you, then you're going to overflow. You are supposed to be letting his life be poured out of you into someone else's. It's just the deal. And then you go, now I know why I'm here. Maybe one more. 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. He says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or those who have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. The Bible nowhere says don't sorrow when someone dies. It just do not sorrow like people who have no hope because they got nothing. It's just the end for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus for this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the lord therefore comfort one another with these words i may not die a hundred percent of people in history do not die according to the bible if you are on this planet when jesus comes back and you're a believer you are not gonna die you are gonna fly you say well
0: that sounds too weird i don't believe that well you'll believe it because you'll be flying Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show.
1: Let me read you one other old song. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye To Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. Where all those wide extended plains shines one eternal day, There, God the sun forever reigns and scatters night away. No chilling winds or poisonous breath can reach that healthful shore. Sickness and sorrow, pain and death are felt and feared no more. When I shall reach that happy place, I'll be forever blessed, for I shall see my father's face and in his bosom rest. I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. In the story of the three little pigs, one little piggy went to market. That's okay, you go to work. One little piggy stayed home. Maybe you stay home. That's your job. One little piggy had roast beef. Maybe you got food to eat. One little piggy had nothing, none. Maybe you've been hungry. But the last little piggy went wee, 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 all the way home. And it's interesting if you study pigs, a baby pig, that shrill, that wee, wee, wee. It's hard to do, but I do have some pig in me. (laughs) Wee, 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 all the way home. Are they happy or are they sad? I don't think anybody knows. What is your wee, wee, wee all the way home? Is it a shrill of delight or fright? Because you may not even know where home is. This
0: has been Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. There's only one reason we do this program to take the planet with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our message and our mission. And you have a vital part of doing that along with us. If you've been encouraged by these talks with Richard, be sure to share with someone about the change they've made in your life and we'd love to hear your story as to how the talks have made a difference to you. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you, 855-6Richard. You can also reach us through our website, richardellistalks.com. And while you're there, check out all the fun and informative pages we've put together for you, richardellistalks.com. While you're there, be sure to click on the Contribute tab at the top to send your generous gift. If the program is making a difference to you, your gift will make a big difference to us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.